0: When I was younger, I loved to watch professional wrestling. I loved the larger-than-life characters, the dramatic story arcs, and the colorful entrances. As a young boy, my brother and I would tune in to Monday Night Raw and thought each wrestler was a superhero, each one dashing, leaping, and slamming their opponents to settle the fight between good versus evil. It was hard for me to picture their lives as anything but adoration and excitement. I always imagined them walking into any store and having their entrance music play over the loudspeaker. However, in 2008, I was exposed to a different story. One less of adoration and more of loneliness. Less of strength and more of brittleness. A cautionary tale about the dangers of fame and clinging to past glories. So if you're like me, and you enjoy film and the impact and emotions it can convey, then grab a glass of your preferred liquid and join me for the next little while. For me, that's a bottle of Baltimore Blonde from our friends down in Guinness. So sit back, relax, and let's talk about the love of film. Welcome to Glazed Cinema. highly entertaining and physically demanding profession the characters are larger than life and represent something in us that ties our imagination to them each wrestler has to be in peak physical condition and understand how to work and look out for each other while in the ring after all the margin of error is very slim and that margin between a successful and unsuccessful match can lead to very serious physical injury Fans crowd packed arenas and stadiums to cheer on their favorites as the stories and actions unfurl before them. Whether it's taking your breath away, making you jump out of your seat, or just watch in awe, professional wrestlers have inspired fans for years, capturing our imaginations and tugging at our heartstrings in some way. My favorite wrestler growing up was Triple H. I loved to see the growth of his character his storylines, and the groups he formed, like DX and Evolution. He was this massive guy who wrestled with heart and intensity. He also had, at least in my opinion, the greatest entrance in history. If you're unfamiliar with this, I recommend checking it out. I think you'll see what I'm talking about. Plus, he walked out to Motorhead. What's not to like? Triple H now works for WWE and is still very involved in the business, helping talent flourish. Though he hasn't officially retired, WWE has done a lot of good with retired wrestlers like Booker T, Billy Gunn, A-Train, and William Regal, all involved in multiple facets of the business. It's really awesome to see that they are taken care of and helping to mold future generations of stars. Like anything else, though, a handful isn't the case for all. For some wrestlers, life after wrestling is a rougher affair, and one that I was unfamiliar with prior to today's subject. In 2008, I was exposed to a fictional story of what life after wrestling can be like, told through the lens of one Randy the Ram Robinson, an aged and broken professional wrestler struggling to make ends meet and wrestling independently on weekends. Trying to woo the crowds and epitomize his character, the Ram, the wrestler portrayed a side of wrestling I hadn't been exposed to before. The opening credits of this film say everything we need to know about who we are about to follow for the next couple hours. It starts with newspaper and magazine clippings scattered across the screen as the camera scans, left to right, through each of them. Quiet Riot's mental health plays in the background as the colorful collage of text and imagery passes by our eyes. accompanied by music are clips of voices, who at different points sound like announcers and ringside commentators, as they describe some of Randy's in-ring work. The last bits of this commentary comes from what sounds like a ringside commentator, stating, quote, April 6, 1989 will forever go down in professional wrestling history, End quote. After the opening credits, it goes quiet, followed by the sound of coughing. The camera cuts to a brightly lit kindergarten classroom. There are colorful drawings taped on walls of cinder blocks, half-painted white and blue. There's an air hockey table holding up books on the right wall, with clothes scattered along the floor with a toy truck underneath. In the front left, there is a standing chalkboard, with names and scribbles on it. In the middle of all of this is Randy. Sitting hunched over on a metal folding chair with his wrestling tights on, he breathes and leans back against the cold steel. On the floor along the bottom of the screen reads the words, 20 years later. Among the silence, a man wearing a white hockey jersey comes in and hands him a billfold complimenting Randy on his performance. The ram grabs the money and counts it. Afterwards, he hangs his head and holds up his hand as if to say, what's this? To which the other man explains, sorry, I was sure the gate would be better. While spotting off about a legend signing, the man walks away while Randy sits clearly disappointed with his payout for a hard night's work. Shortly after, we exit the room behind Randy and into a gymnasium where the ring and folding chairs are being torn down. He sports a black jacket and jeans and may notice a hearing aid on his left ear. On the way out, he signs autographs for two fans who talk of the glory days from years past. As he walks towards a door across the room, the camera cuts to a plastic action figure of Randy on the dashboard of a moving vehicle. As the camera zooms out, we see lights pass by from the outside as the song, Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone, plays on the speakers. Before the word, gone, greets our ears, the camera cuts again to the sound of the car door closing. Outside of the vehicle now, Randy walks toward his trailer, jangling his keys, preparing to unwind and relax. Sighing, coughing, grunting, he steps up to the door, And tries to unlock the front. He pulls, but it won't budge. He tries again, and after another failed attempt, he inspects the door to find a larger lock on the outside. Visibly upset, he ventures to the other door, and upon arrival we see that the doorknob has been locked down so that no key can be inserted. Leaning on the trailer in disbelief, the camera cuts again as he walks up onto a covered deck to another trailer. Under the wooden covering, we see a sign that reads, "Manager's Office. Banging on the door inside of the trailer, he pleads for the man, Lenny, to open up, but to no avail. Walking back, we see his van parked outside. Opening the back doors, he climbs in and turns on a flashlight. We see the face of Randy, played by Mickey Rourke, for the first time. Removing white tape from his forearms, he takes out a metal box. Opening the lid, he takes out a bottle of prescription pills. He shakes them out into his hand. Opening the can of beer, he washes them down and sits in the darkness of the night. The flashlight, his only light source. As he sits against the side of the van, the camera moves around to reveal a collage of photos, each one a memory of his glory days as a professional wrestler. As he sits, swallowing the alcohol, he quietly gazes, pensively, at the photos as the camera zooms in he looks down and we hear him hit the flashlight and the screen fades to black once again this is randy's life and told under the direction of darren aronofsky he resides far from the arenas the applause the action and the fame throughout the first quarter of the film we see his weekly routine and meet those important people that are in his life. There's the manager at the local Acme, who helps him get more hours when needed and takes slight jabs at Randy when he can. There's the dealer at the local gym, who hooks him up with pills, including steroids and painkillers. However, no other person, it seems, is more important to Randy than Cassidy. Played by Marissa Tomei, Cassidy is a middle-aged exotic dancer who works at the local strip club that Randy frequents. The first time we meet her, she's in a private room with a group of men having a bachelor party. The ram, approaching the room to talk to Cassidy, listens in as the men complain of her age and insult her. After bursting into the room, he defends her honor while the three men exit stage left. It's clear that he cares for her and that there is some sort of emotional attachment there. There's a lot of greatness in this film. Mickey Rourke and Marissa Tomei's performances are fantastic as they play with such honesty and rawness. The characters really come alive and makes us feel for them. Aronofsky's direction and the cinematography are wonderfully done and I love the -the over-the-shoulder shots that sprinkle the film. The way the camera plays into scenes is absolutely brilliant. It's wide and removed when the scene is a bit more mundane and close and intimate when it's more personal and important. The overall rawness of the film, in my mind, is also something that should be applauded, as that also helps to tie everything together beautifully. A lot of scenes stick out in this film, but there's one that particularly does, at least for me. We join Cassidy in the strip club as she makes her rounds trying to get a dance, Each patron she asks snubs the offer by either declining or in some cases saying absolutely nothing. As she walks away from her last rejection, she sports a look of disappointment while a voice calls to her. She looks over her hair swinging with the sway of her head and we see Randy sitting at the bar smiling. As she smiles back, she sits down next to him. He tells her that he talked to his daughter And that she was not happy to see him. They talk of things that he can do for his daughter, and each question she asks Randy to learn more about her, he provides no information. What kind of music does she like? Does she like to cook or read books? Each time, she's met with a response similar to, Gee, I really don't know. After offering the suggestion of clothing, she writes down a store that he can shop in. After exchanging the handwritten note, she asks, Want to dance? Randy, who has recently come off of a heart attack, looks down and says, I don't think I'm quite ready for that yet. Her smile fades a disappointment, and she gets up and walks away. As we follow her, we see her gaze around the room, observing the patrons, all of them, looking elsewhere. What I like about that scene is that it connects the two characters. Before that scene... Cassidy seems to be on a different playing field. She has a job, she seems successful at what she does, but more than that, Randy confides in her. With this scene, however, we see that both Cassidy and Randy are in a similar situation. Both are at a crossroads in their lives. They're aging out of their professions for one reason or another, and are trying to decipher which road to take next. The playing fields, it seems have become level. Another scene that's quite impactful is when Randy attends a Legend signing. He arrives early and greets the other wrestlers, most of whom are older and retired. He sets up his table with the merch he has available to sell and sits, awaiting incoming fans. Unfortunately, the turnout is not great, and there is a mother and son duo that walk around to each table. We see this through Randy's point of view. He looks on to watch as the wrestler interacts with them, and we see aged technology in the form of VHS tapes on the table. His eyes scan down, and we see a catheter bag protruding his pant leg. It's a heartbreaking moment as we understand that these once great performers are now in such a different place in their lives. And Randy coming to terms with that. There's another scene that I find quite subtle, but one that I personally think is incredible. We join Randy, who stands in front of a mirror as he adjusts his hair under a hairnet. He and the manager have a verbal sparring match about his name tag, as he wants to be known as Randy, not his birth name of Robin. Disappointed at the turnout, he begins to walk down the hallway, and the camera following close behind. We hear the buzz of electricity as he walks by the store's power system, heating and cooling units. Within this buzzing is a dim roar of a crowd, yelling and whistling. Before we enter a brightly lit room, the roar of the crowd grows, and upon breaking the threshold into the luminous room, our ears suddenly hear music that plays over the loudspeaker. We see the safety and slogan posters plastered on the white walls, and soon we turn another corner and begin descending down a dim and narrow stairwell. Randy breathes heavily as he steps, the sound of his boots thumping on each level as he descends. The sound of the crowd returns, building in volume. Soon, we're in the back room, surrounded by cardboard boxes, warehouse racks, and all the while, we follow Randy, step by step. The sound of the crowd is getting louder still, and they begin chanting and whistling. We turn yet another corner, and the sound is now at a fever pitch, as the ram stands silhouetted in a black doorway, looking out to a brightly lit area, which is separated by a translucent plastic barrier. He takes a deep breath, the crowd powering him up as he prepares to enter the arena. He raises his hands, pushing through the plastic barrier, and the sound of the crowd quickly fades to the music played over the loudspeaker once again. Randy has indeed entered his arena, ready to go to work. I love that entire scene. It's quite fantastic. I love how his two professions meet, one feeding off the other, and giving him the necessary energy to do what he needs to do. I don't want to talk about too much within this film, as it deserves to be experienced from minute one to minute 115. However, I will talk about one more. This scene I find quite touching. Randy takes his daughter to the boardwalk and recants old memories of when he would take her there when she was little. Talking about a funhouse they used to go to when she was little, Randy says, quote, You'd hop on my foot and wrap your arms around my leg, and we would walk through the whole thing together. To which Stephanie says, I don't remember that. To which the Ram answers, I do. After this, we see them sitting on a brick-framed wall overlooking the ocean. The camera cuts close on Randy as he shares a heartfelt profession. Quote, I just want to tell you, I'm the one who is supposed to take care of everything. I'm the one who is supposed to make... Everything okay for everybody. It just didn't work out like that. And I left. I left you. You never did anything wrong. I used to try and forget about you. I used to try and pretend that you didn't exist. But I can't. You're my girl. You're, you're my little girl. And now, I'm a broken down piece of meat. And I'm alone and I deserve to be alone. I just don't want you to hate me. Okay? End quote. The camera cuts and they walk a little bit apart from each other. But soon she catches up and locks arms around his right and puts her head on his shoulder. Reaching a door, she gestures him forward and kicks the door in, revealing a ballroom. The room is barren and broken and as they playfully bow to each other, they share a dance amid the crumbled ruin of whatever extravagance used to exist, much like the relationship between the two now, a relic of what once was. This scene is also a pivotal point in the film, as everything in Randy's life begins to spiral out of the control he's cultivated for himself. The story of the people within The Wrestler is told quite delicately, portraying the characters in an honest and fragile light. Watching the film, I felt like I was witnessing someone navigate a tightrope. One wrong move and everything goes awry. This film had quite the impact on me when I saw it in 2008. I was 18 years old at the time and I remember being emotionally taken by the characters. I rooted for them when they were riding high and was cringing and disappointed when they were slumping low. I truly cared about what happened to them and their well-being, which is a testament to its greatness. This film, as I said in the beginning, sets the tone early and doesn't let up. It's raw and real in the best ways. The camera makes every movement feel that much more real, and it's through that realness where it delivers the emotion and thoughtfulness. Through Randy, we see his day-to-day, his ups and downs, successes and mistakes. We see the dangers of clinging to fame and how damaging it can be. This was my biggest takeaway of the film. It's very easy to be whisked away when you succeed and want to ride a wave of celebration. If you're not too careful though, you might get caught up in the sweet smell of success and start hitting obstacles that you'd otherwise avoid. It's the danger of sticking to what we know and not going anywhere new or evolve ourselves. Whether you're a fan of professional wrestling or not, I think we can all find something that we can relate to in this film, as it is a very human story. Aronofsky did a tremendous job heading this film with his vision and eye for detail. In fact, he won a Golden Lion for his efforts that year. I also remember being invested in the Oscars as well. I was so hopeful that Rourke and Tomei would win their nominations, but alas. As a fan of professional wrestling, I really enjoyed seeing a film that treated the subject with such tenderness and respect. I hope that this podcast has treated the subject with the equal amount of respect, as it deserves quite a lot. If you'd like to watch The Wrestler for yourself, you can find it on streaming services like Prime Video... Apple TV, and Voodoo, each for 3 dollars if you subscribe to those services. You can also find it on YouTube, iTunes, and Google Play for $3.99 as well. This podcast was written by me, Brian Kinney, with music by Kevin McLeod. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, please visit our website at glazesinema.com. There, you'll find some background on the show, and also a place to submit ideas for future episodes. For film fans who are hearing impaired, the blog page on our website features each episode in written form as well. If you like this podcast, tell your friends or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Each week, there will be new content, including hints about episodes, before they air. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope to see you next time with another beverage and another fine film on glazed cinema.